0: What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up and coming fighters and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. If that sits well with you, sit back, grab a beverage, relax and let's go hello everybody welcome to the fat boy mma podcast i am your host dc and of course i got my co-host here when we lock hey what's up y'all so before we get into today's episode um we want to send a condolence out uh we lost a, a great fighter a great mma fighter um so much that we can say about this guy probably somebody that will end up having to do uh, you know, gloves and roses on, um, fought everywhere from middleweight to uh heavyweight, fought in the UFC, fought in all the big promotions, and unfortunately lost the battle to um and, and I don't want to misspeak on it, so I actually won't even name it. But uh we lost Anthony Johnson this past weekend, uh Rumble. So um just want to give about five seconds of silence and you know my condolences to
1: his family. Okay. So, in today's
0: episode, we will be talking about UFC 281 Adesanya versus Pierre. Uh this was a really good card. Um I expected it to be a good card, but we know how it is. This card was pretty stacked, and a lot of times they those don't turn out to be the best cards, but I think this was a pretty good card. Of course, as usual, we'll end up going into the main fights and everything like that, but before we get into the fights on the main card, um, like I want to pass it over to you, and tell me if there's any fights on the undercard you want to highlight. We had some pretty good fights on the undercard, so I did want to give a chance to, you know, highlight maybe one or two of those fights and, um, you know, throw that out there. So any fights on the undercard that just jumped out to you for whatever reason?
2: Yeah. And and before, real quick before that, I, I did want to say, because we're covering UFC 281, we don't mm-hmm. usually do a ton of, you know, up-to-date uh, coverage of, you know, uh, stuff that's happening um we cover a lot more like kind of mma history and stuff like that i mean i know there's a lot of guys that kind of cover the stuff as it comes out the up-to-date news that do it pretty well i mean you just go listen to ariel he will have a better breakdown of this than we will uh but i feel like ufc 281 is one of those cards where we probably have to uh you know kind of break that rule i think it's an exceptional card uh except, except with exceptional results so I do think it was important that we kind of cover this one because not only was it a great card, there's some fights and some events that potentially landscape changing to different degrees, uh, you know, for the UFC future moving forward. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Uh, but I would say the one that jumped out right away um, on the undercard was the Ryan Span Dominic Reyes fight. Mm hmm. I would say if there was only one that we you know could talk about, I would say that that would have to be the one.
0: Yeah, you know what's funny about Span, uh, he's another one of those contender series guys. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but yeah, that fight was a uh, um, giant dude. Yeah, he's definitely. That fight was a good fight, and um, you know, it wasn't a long fight, but. One of the things that we've talked about this before, I'm not sure what happened to the guys that fought John Jones that did well against him. But something happened to them every single time after they fight John Jones. If it's a close fight or if they claim they won or anything like that, they're never the same after. And I think that Reyes represents the biggest falls from grace in that particular scenario. I mean, he lost a close fight. I think everybody would agree that it was a close fight, that he lost to John Jones. And he has Positive not won a fight of since
2: the of the John Jones close fights.
0: Yeah, and he has not won a fight since. And you know, he went out there and did his uh, you know, chill sunning impressions, you know, claiming to be the champ and everything else, but if he was the champ, he would have never defended the belt because he doesn't seem to be able to beat anybody else, you know, but um, I wonder, do you think it's just a mental thing that he, that he gets so high in believing that he beat John Jones, he took his foot off the gas or like, what do you think is going on there that just hasn't allowed him to, I don't think it's a skilled thing. He's a skilled guy. Like what happened? It, it, it's tough to say. And I can put, I could put forth the theory,
2: but it all has to come with a huge caveat that this has happened to, like you said, multiple people once they have a close fo- uh, fight with John Jones. So there is a pattern. So it, it, it is kind of crazy. So John Jones may be some kind of like a, a alien, and uh, you know. Even if he beats you, he just kind of leaves you with something that changes you a little bit, moving fo- you know, forever. Shang something takes a piece of your soul. <laughs> every time, even when you don't think so. Like, uh, you know, there's wars that'll do that to you. But a war with John Jones definitely takes it out of you. But with him, you know, if you look at his route to the championship, uh, he was only 12 and 0. The toughest guy he had fought to that point was a split decision, so you know he knocked out Wideman. That was Weidman moving up to 205, which was not well. And Weidman, you know, shown some chin issues in general since then. Uh, you know, a cannoneer is a decent win, but that's a little bit earlier in Cannoneer's career, so. I think you know maybe he didn't have the stiffest level of competition, but he was a young and exciting dude, and the UFC loves to throw undefeated guys out there. So he might have been in a little over his head, and John Jones maybe underestimated him. Mm-hmm. It was could be a you know a thing, so it turns into a really good fight because he kind of catches John Jones slipping. He's a big, strong guy, and that seems to be a bit of a. Uh, you know, an issue for John Jones. And then after that, he's only fought killers, you know, like the highest level, uh, stone hands, athletic, big dudes, all, you know, champions. And maybe, maybe he just wasn't that caliber.
0: You know, that's the reason why, you know, I always say I give so much more respect to anybody that gets a title. And, and, ran over titles for multiple title defenses. It's not how long they have the title. I don't give a shit how long you have it. But especially like a, a, let's say a guy like Izzy that goes out there and fights three times a year, you know, unheard of for UFC champions, you know, uh, or, uh, you know, people that know that I'm critical of Khabib. It's not that I don't like Khabib. It is that you can't do three title defenses and put yourself in the same category of guys that did 9, 10, 11 title defenses. So a whole nother thing when all of a sudden, year in and year out, you have to fight two or three of the top of the top killers. It's the reason why a guy like, um, uh, uh, uh um, uh, shoot. Why is his name? escaping me right now. Um, the Iris and Conor McGregor. It's the reason why Conor McGregor can never be in that upper echelon to me. As you know, you, you couldn't think of the kinda, name Conor McGregor. You we're would not literally go forget there. any name. Listen, we will not go there this episode, Mr. Locke. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, with Conor Who, McGregor,
2: uh, the biggest superstar, <laughs> like, uh, like across different sports, like top
0: <laughs> rated. That that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so, um, I'm a Conor McGregor fan for people that don't know. I actually like Conor McGregor more than I like a Khabib. I've always been a Conor McGregor fan pretty much since he came into the UFC. I didn't know him before then, right? But I like Conor McGregor. But I can never put him in a category of greats when he can't defend a title. Winning a title is one thing. A lot of people can win a title. Can you go out there and defend it year in and year out? that's a whole different thing. And what I think happened was, and this is the piggyback on your point, but once you go out there, you fight John Jones and you give him a close fight and then John Jones doesn't fight again, you become the number one guy, which means you have to fight the next number one guys. So he gets Jan, right? And what happens with Jan? Van goes on to become champion, Right. Then against Yuri after that, and what happens with Yuri? Yuri goes on to become champion, right? Um, so, I think you get these number one contender after number one contender because really you've placed yourself in a position of a guy like a champion. But now you understand, if you did before, why a guy like John Jones is so special. It's a different caliber of person to do what he's been able to do, title defense after title defense after title defense. I'll let you wrap it up, and then we'll move on to uh, my pick for the undercard.
2: Yeah, uh, a lot of that what I was is kind of what I was hoping to say, but I think it definitely yeah puts kind of a lot of that greatness in context. Because let's say that decision, no matter what you think in your head, uh, if if Reyes won or John Jones won, whatever, either way, it goes the other way. Dominic Reyes gets the victory. John Jones gets his first legit loss. John Jones is still, this day, even with that loss of that belt, is still secure in the one to three slots of the all-time GO, based off his body of work. And then Dominic Reyes, you're now looking at what that road would have looked like after that, which ends in knockout, knockout, knockout and light heavyweights, which traditionally is a belt that's gotten passed around quite a bit is hard to right. defend. When you look at how long Johns did John Jones did that just to put that in perspective even if we give Ray as that win and he does win that fight who's to say that next you know the belt is the exact same situation it's in now uh with it kind of bouncing from guy to guy John Jones is still a go.
0: Yep. No, and I, and
2: totally I think agree. Reyes, it's it's kind of looking like to me, it, it might be getting close to that time, because he you know he's getting he's getting finished yeah. by very big guys, and you know it's a it's a dangerous game to be playing.
0: Yeah, from his social media post, he 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 basically after the loss said, you know, I still don't think he's taking responsibility for what's going on, so to speak. Because he basically just said, he's the best he's ever been. He's the fastest. He's the most skilled, everything like that. But And that may be true, but that doesn't necessarily translate. There's things that you lose that you don't realize that's upstairs. They're psychological. It's not the tangible things. And that's what makes the difference.
2: And last thing I wanted to make sure I said on that, too. I don't know who his agent is or who he has working with him on the business side but if you're now a guy that's coming off of three straight losses two by knockout and you're fighting a guy like span and he comes in overweight.
0: I, I don't know. I don't probably know not a I, good idea to take that fight. I don't
2: know if I jump in on that one. I mean, it sounds like it yeah. probably, I feel like that's going to be a guy that's going to be pretty strong out there.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. But a uh, good way for span, um, you know, uh, see what's next for him so the fight i picked on the undercard that i thought was really good like i said there was a lot of fights on the undercard uh a lot of them you know didn't go to distance but who impressed me the most was uh erin Blanchfield uh fighting molly mccann that was a good fight um she ended up winning with a uh with a kimura but it was a good fight and you know it, another one knows it wasn't a long fight but she pretty much went out there and, you know, tried to take it to her. And now when you look at like how we've talked about kind of names in that realm, um, she's beaten Miranda Maverick, she's beaten JJ Aldrey, and now she's beaten Molly McCann. And at 125, it's not really deep, right? Um and with her um with her ground game, which seemed to be, you know, one of her favorite things. She got a nice amount of submissions, uh, you know, since in her last few fights. Um, I think it's a different, possibly a different look for the best number one champion. Um, I hope she, you know, she's able to put maybe one or two more wins together. And I think she's primed herself for a, a title shot. You know, I think she looked that good in that fight. What are your thoughts on that one?
2: Uh, I agree with everything you said. I don't know. I think a lot of people gave Molly McCann a lot of heat, you know, because she's been a big uh, rising star lately, uh, kind of off the coattails of Patty the Batty. But I mean, I think Blanchard's possibly just that, just better. You know what I mean? Sometimes fighters just go out there and win a win a fight and look really good. Yeah. And uh, I really like that a lot because I think we. And really need we'll get into it more later but in general in the women's divisions we need some more different contenders and it looks like she's now moved up to the number 10 slot she, uh, she moved up two slots
0: so yeah. and I, uh, that might be um what we need to do here coming up there's been such a up. we haven't did a like a kind of yeah. You know how we did it before, maybe take two or three divisions over a couple episodes and really look at the landscape. That might be what we need to do more for. There's been a bunch of shakeups, title changes, everything since we've really looked at it.
2: Well, and I think I've notoriously kind of uh, been hard on the women's flyweight division as kind of the division I almost forget about. But when I really look at it, to me, Not right the second, but it has the potential in the future to really have uh, the most interesting fights as far as not the same old people and and some legit contenders that I like out there.
0: Yeah, to me, the hardest thing about 125 is whenever you have a really dominant champion in anything, the division starts to look weak. Any division that we really look at and we just consider an exciting division, it's a division where somebody can be really, really good, win a title and get two to three title defenses and lose it and we get another person that gets two to three title defenses and lose it and so on. We don't like if the title changes hands every single time and we don't like if it's a long-running champion because every time we get one of those formulas, everybody starts to say that there's the the division is weak and the reality is sometimes it's that in the case of like let's say heavyweight heavyweight is just so dangerous it's hard to have a long-rated heavyweight champion when literally everybody touch you at the right time and you go to sleep right and then you look at some of the other divisions like we look at a 185 we come out of the Anderson Silver era and pretty much ends up rolling over into the Adesanya era and it makes everybody below them it's like oh you know in a just watch if Adesanya doesn't win this belt back and especially if he loses a couple the new narrative will be he never fought anybody just like they did anderson right that's just the way that they do it it's like no these were really really good people but it's just one person separated themselves from the pack and that's what i think the best number 1 champion uh you know has done at 125 but um let's roll into the main card so, the main card was really good. On the main card, we didn't have one fight go to a decision, not a one, which is always good, right? So we'll start at the at the first fight. Um, you know, Dan Hooker, which um, you know, it looked like City Kickboxing was going to pitch their first shutout that I've seen in a long time. Uh, Dan Hooker, City Kickboxing, um, Carlos. Oldberg is city kickboxing of course we know uh their biggest name out of sanya city kickboxing so uh dan hooker finally got back on a win streak or not a win streak finally got back in the win column uh with the um tko over claudio Prince. um so what did you think about that that was one of those kind of um Anderson did. Somebody else used to do that kick, and I don't remember who it was, but it's like the ball in a foot kick to the abdomen. Somebody used to do that kick really well. I don't remember. It's not coming to me who it was, but what did you think about that one? Well, where I, I went into wrestling with
2: my original base being traditional martial arts, I am a big fan of the kicks. You, know? so, uh, you
0: are a Noonchuck good- master, right?
2: Nunchucks. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, look, I, I grew up in the 80s. You either had to learn Michael how to Angelo. nunchuck. You had to learn how to nunchuck. It, it was mandatory, but you weren't even cool. Um, what's crazy is uh, Bruce Lee wasn't even my initial nunchuck guy. I was uh, the last dragon. Bruce Leroy was my. That's right, Bruce Leroy.
0: So um, enough.
2: But yeah, it's a was it a great kick, and it's good to see Dan. Dan Hooker back in the win column uh he's a guy that I'm hard on a lot but it goes to show you he's a guy you can never count out and when you look at his losses that he's racked up lately it's all studs you, you know a lot Islam Chandler Poirier Arnold Allen yeah that kind of happens but yeah good to see you, Dan Hooker Back in the win column and always a fan of two of my favorite things. Kicking knockouts and body shots,
0: you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm a fan of Dan Hooker also. He's one of those people, you know, there's always these fighters that you you end up not liking because you see so much greatness in them that they don't quite live up to. You never end up hating them because you like them it's just like man and it's funny because him and uh guy that fought on the fight before him uh moicano i've always been a big moicano fan but he seems to be a guy he can't put together more than two wins in a row and i really think he has the skill level where he could have been champion one day that was the skill level that i saw him at that he couldn't get to it dan hooker to me was one of those guys very dangerous um you know I think he's one of those guys that can still uh, grow into a heavier weight class. So I think he could be a 170-pound a fighter, but he doesn't seem to have a problem getting down to 55 and, you know, creating kind of some what would be some size mix, mix matches. But, you know, he was, you know, he, he doesn't seem to be able to get it done in the big fights. But to your point, he's fought all of the big names. I mean, you know, you can go back, Gilbert Burns, Barbosa, Al Iaquinta, Dustin Portier, Michael Chandler, Islam, Arnold Allen. Like he, he, you know, he's fighting big names, but that's how you separate yourself from the pack. It's not enough to fight the big names. You have to beat the big names and that's where he's not at yet. But I'm glad to see him back in the win column. Hopefully he can put together a good streak here. And then we could see him against, you know, maybe somebody in the, um, you know, top seven or eight, you know, um, next fight was Chris Gutierrez versus Ed, Frankie Edgar. And we know from Frankie's last fight, um, and I think we talked about it. He kind of mentioned, you know, he wanted to have a farewell fight and, when Frankie fight, he's one of those guys, it's just heartbreaking for me. And I think I've mentioned this on this show before. My first time seeing Frankie wasn't watching him in the UFC. It was watching him on MTV's. I want to be a fighter, or I am a fighter, or something like that. And they were it was an MTV show, and they were showing him, and it was he was going into, I think, his first fight in the UFC. And it was, you know, the whole behind-the-scenes thing and everything like that. And uh, I always have been a big Frankie fan. And, you know, watching him go out like that was heartbreaking. But your thoughts on the Frankie fight? That's why sometimes I think that farewell fight it isn't what you
2: need. I know everybody feels like they want it. But when I think Dana has said it, uh, it's basically what Joe Rogan was trying to tell Brendan Schaub. Once you have that one foot out and you're fighting somebody that doesn't, it's just a different level You know And mm-hmm. and Who am I to tell Frankie Edgar To to wrap it up You know but Yeah last three fights Three really bad knockouts Um And Frankie's a guy that I really like He's been around a long time And not only a lot of wars A lot of wars At weight classes 20 pounds high, heavier than he should even be competing Um so it's sad to see him go out like that. I would have rather see him go out on a win. uh. But, you know, I don't think I th- don't even think this fight should. Have.
0: Yeah, from 2005 to 2017. He could be everybody not named Ben Henderson or Jose Aldo. That was who he was, right? And then, you know, him searching for that title and trying to find himself and move it through weight classes and, you know, just getting older, you know, the sport evolves. These new guys are different. Um, And to your point, you know, three heartbreaking, devastating losses, KOs in a row. Um, I'm not against farewell fights. The problem is I only believe in, it's like when we always talk about it, you know, it's one of the questions I would usually ask in like the fallen goat series and stuff like that. If it was one last fight, it wouldn't usually talking about more of a legacy fight. Right. Um, matching them up with somebody else from their past. Right. Matter of fact, I think when we talked about this, we talked about him having a farewell fight against like a, a BJ Penn or a, I forget who else we named. It was somebody else that we named like Aldo or somebody like that. Right. So it's still somebody from your era. You all are basically of the same caliber, comparatively speaking, to what you were previous when you fought. I just don't think you fight any, to your point, a person that's still hungry, a person that's still trying to move up the ranks, still hunting for a title uh, that don't have one foot out, that's not the fight for you. You know, we look at... um, You know, you look at Gutierrez, he's on a, you know, besides a draw, he's on a one, two, three, four, five. He was on a six-fight winning streak before that, right? This made number seven. Um, Like, if you were to
2: ask him right now, he's on his title run.
0: Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, um, I think he was very respectful, everything like that. So, you know, good win for him. Nothing against him is just, you know, if you're Frankie, you know, you don't do that. And if I'm a matchmaker, I'm, I'm, it would be hard for me to make that match. I would have to find somebody else that's in that, in that same, you know, kind of area on their way out or something like that and make that fight.
2: Yeah. Where you get a guy like uh that cowboy just fought uh, Jim Miller.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. Somebody
2: like that, that, I know that's a different weight class, but someone similar to that, like an an older guy right. that's in the same career path who isn't in the title hunt but isn't ready to hang it up yet.
0: Yep, exactly. Totally agree. Uh, next fight on that card, we had the fight of the night. Um, we had Dustin Portier versus Michael Chandler. Um, and that was a crazy fight. It was everything that I expected. Um, it was one of those fights where I would have been really upset if it didn't live up to the height because both guys just, you know, it's like it's like if Genji has a boring fight, you know, somebody's going to press on the pedal. When you match certain guys up against each other, somebody's going to press on the pedal. And yeah, this fight was everything I thought it was going to be. So your thoughts on that one?
2: Yeah, very good fight. I I would like to say that it also went exactly how Dustin Poirier said. He said that if Michael Chandler wants to come in here and be a tough guy and make it a knockdown, drag it out war, I'm going to smoke him. And uh, that's kind of what happened. You know, uh, I know that's Michael Chandler's brand, especially now since he's came to the UFC. Is uh, He's like one of these all-violence team guys. And it I don't know. It's keeping you on the main card. It's keeping you in big fights. It's keeping his name out there. But what it's not doing is really getting you wins, you know? And uh, I don't know. I think it's something that he has to look at is... What what are you trying to do? Do you want to win this championship or do you want to um, just keep selling exciting fights? Because I think that he could have a better shot in some of these fights if he if he was to take a more strategic approach, similar to. And it's weird because he's not young, but young Gaethje before he was kind of tamed down a little bit. Michael Chandler seems to have gone the other way. You know, in in his old age, he's just kind of letting loose. And uh, I think a little bit more strategic game planning could really do him some good.
0: Um, I agree with you. The problem is, I don't think that, you know, some people, that's how they are. I don't think that he can. He's always fought that way. I actually became a Michael Chandler fan over in Bellator. Um, and, I mean, there was no situation in Bellator where he didn't fight that way and how I I, Michael Chandler came on my radar I didn't know who he was until he fought Eddie Alvarez because I was an Eddie Alvarez fan and you know they had two you know crazy wars over there and he always fought that way when he you know his fights with um you know Pitbull over there same type of deal and i think when he came over here it was the same thing i think the difference is the in and out style that he was able to use over there to you know really be champion and you know make a good reign except for some against some of the bigger guys um i just think that um it's a little bit harder to do that in the ufc and I think once he starts pressing and he gets caught and he has to switch up, that becomes harder for him to do. Cause he's a very explosive guy. Right. Um, I definitely think that a different game plan would work. Um, but you know, I don't think he was with back in the day. I don't think he was with this camp. Cause right now he's with, um, whatever the camp is, that used to be the black Zings. I believe that's where he's at. He's with, uh, yeah, Sanford MMA, right? That wasn't who he was with back in the day. And it it still seems to be the same Michael Chandler, in my opinion, right? Um, I think it is I think it's dope. I think he has some exciting fights. We do have to factor in kind of like we was, what we were saying with Dan Hooker, right? He's only fighting the top of the top guys, other than Dan Hooker himself, which was his first fight in the UFC which he won he fought Charles Oliveira Justin Gaethje Ferg which he won who we know is on the downside and 48 I mean he came in from point one fighting the top of the top of the division and um, you know that's going to be tough he got to make some adjustments and some changes to your and point Ferg
2: looking real good in that fight until he got cracked mm-hmm. with that front kick
0: yeah yeah, yeah. And um, but you know on the flip side, Dustin Poirier is one of those guys. I was not a big Dustin Poirier fan, and he continues to surprise me over and over and over again. And he's looking like, you know, uh, kind of like what I was, you know, saying about old Frankie. Um, he's able to beat everybody but the champ. If you're the champ at that time in that weight class, he can't beat you. And you're probably gonna somehow you're gonna grapple the shit out of him. That's what's gonna happen. But everybody else, he goes out there and finds a way to win, man. It's really impressive. And um, you know, nothing else I can say but good win. He makes good adjustments. He made good adjustments in those counter fights, and he finds a way to win. Combination of him and his team, and you know, I'm critical sometimes of American top team, but um for some guys like him. They make it work, and they come out there with good game plans.
2: So, what do you think of the accusations?
0: Uh, what accusations are we talking about exactly? So, Michael the, Chandler being finger, a dirty
2: fighter. So, the fishhook oh, in the yeah, uh, yeah. blowing his nose on him. The...
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that's probably all true. The fish hook definitely looked like it was true, but you know my philosophy, Mary. You ain't cheating. You ain't trying. It's, it's like it's like back in the day playing football. Even now to this day in football, holding is not holding. It's a lie. It's a myth. It's only holding if you hold, obviously, on the outside. If you get in on a guy and you hold him, as long as your arms don't extend and you know you just swing them to the ground, it's not getting called. Everybody knows you're holding. It's a part of the game. And I think in this sport, different things that people do cover up the mouth for uh who was that your boy did uh white blood all on the guy, uh uh your boys from AKA? Um uh, or, you know they just tried to come back and fight. Used to be the champ. You know who I'm talking about. Now. Yeah, from from AKA. He was one of the champions when he he had a belt, Kane he had the belt, and uh and um and uh be, You know who I'm talking about. Uh, I'll figure it. I'll figure it out. But anyway, the model guy. Oh, Luke Rockhold? The a model, aka, Rock- yeah, Luke Rockhold. Remember his last fight where he's bleeding? Then he just started rubbing his stuff on a guy, you know? Yeah. Or uh, old school, Um, who was the old school wrestler that used to, you know, make sure he had a beard and stubble and he needed to grind it all in your face and stuff like that? I mean, it's a part of, you know, what happens. People hold gloves. People do all types of stuff. You get taken down, your reflex is to grab the cage, you know. Um, dirty fighter? Um, yeah, somewhat.
2: <laughs> well, so I, I agree with everything you said. Um, I think anybody, and you don't do this, so you are safe. I say anybody that wants to call John Jones a dirty fighter, you will now have to call Michael Chandler a dirty fighter because neither of them are getting called for what they're doing. So just because you don't like it, it doesn't make it dirty if it's not illegal. But I will say this, and I've seen a lot of dirty stuff, you know, uh, wrestlers, any of the wrestlers, they know about the, you know, the oil checks and shit like that. Um, That blood sneeze is possibly the... Look, if they're all working in the gray area, that is the most disgusting version of the gray area I've ever seen in
0: Listen, like uh, decades
2: of being in and a around country. Blood sport. means
0: nothing because BJP has licked people's glove blood off of his gloves. A little bit of blood means nothing in the ring. Yeah, but that's not blood. That's uh
2: that's bloody nose blood. That's bad.
0: Well, listen, it's it 28 is 40, busted to
2: God knows. What do you expect? Well, <laughs> and the, the only solace is in that it was bleeding so bad that, you know, it's just kind of one fluid motion. You know what I
0: mean? It's all yeah, just you know, you got it all over you anyway. But yeah, as far as the John Jones thing, you know, I've talked about that before. At the end of the day, everybody's biased. And nobody admits that they're biased and they try and make it sound like things are facts. And it, 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 if you take somebody else that's not John Jones and you give him every single attribute that John Jones has, you'd have the same people that hate John Jones calling that person a goat. That's just the reality. I accept it, you know? But I will tell you what, from this fight, I think this fight and guys like Michael Chandler tells me that. The UFC needs an official D-League. I wouldn't call it the D-League, but, you know, like in basketball, how you have the D-League or G-League, whatever the hell it's called now. um, That's what the UFC needs. They need an official one because a guy like Chandler, in my opinion, we should be able to continue to watch him fight, even if he's not winning, if he's putting on exciting fights and everything like that. But I know the UFC, and maybe he gets one more loss, they're going to try to make room on that roster right? But he's still one of the best in the world. He puts on exciting fights. I think you give guys a chance. You put them in another league and you give them a chance to work their way back up to the big league. And I think that's something that the UFC is missing right now.
2: Well, I don't think we're there yet. I mean, I think Chandler versus Connor at 170 is still a giant fight that the UFC would love to do.
0: Absolutely. I agree. And what I'm saying, that I'm not saying because of the last fight. I'm saying, I, I know what you're you look saying. At, yeah, he's two and three. So you give him another loss or two, and what do you do with him? But he's still a, a top of the line type of fighter, right? But what do you do at the that time if, he, if he's two and four or two and five? You can't that, really. He's keep got that Dana White roster. privilege.
2: He'll be good. <laughs> He'll be all
0: right. <laughs> oh, man. I still think, and this is the thing, I'm using him as an example. But I think there's a lot of guys that could have benefited from something like that, where you're still a part of UFC, but it's a it's kind of a, like a UFC sub promotion, you know, where you can or you know where you can go, you can fight, and you can get a chance to work your way back in because UFC is always willing to bring big names back in. They just want you to go on the win streak. That's it. Because they want to make a case for saying, hey, look at this guy. Eddie Alvarez right now is the trying to get back into the UFC. the production
2: UFC. team knows how to put together.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Eddie Alvarez is actually, uh, you know, Dana White said he reached out to him, and I guess he's trying to get that fight with uh, with Chandler, but the reality is Eddie Alvarez hasn't done anything, so he lost to 48. That was his last fight in the UFC since then. He's He's one, two, and one outside of the UFC. How do you make a case for bringing him back, right? Two losses, one win, and a no contest. How do you make a case for bringing him back into the UFC, especially if you're supposed to be the top promotion? But now you put him against other guys trying to get into the UFC, and he could put together a nice little string, and now you can just bring him back up, you know, like they do, triple-A baseball, major leagues, you know?
2: So, I know normally your question, like I know you always like to do, who should they all fight next? But we also like to fix problems. So look, this is what you do. You do Chandler okay. versus Connor at 170. Yes. We finally do the poirier G matchup. They both only lose okay. to the champions. Uh, we need that rematch. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. And then... Eddie Alvarez versus Nate Diaz in bare knuckle boxing
0: first of all I don't know where that came from but I like every single one of those fights I like every single one of those fights including Nate Diaz and your boy Eddie Alvarez in bare knuckle that would actually be a pretty good fight only thing about it both of them cut really easy man I don't know that we would see a fight. They both cut a lot. I don't know if we would see a fight. Like, you know, first round, somebody's getting cut, and the fight might get stopped. Yeah, so. But, no, I like all of those. I have no disagreement with that. So, finally, we get to our co-main event. We have Wei Lee versus Carla Esparza. Carla, I hope you don't think I hate you. I do not dislike you. You seem like a great person. But I know I'm hard on you as a champion. But I think this fight showed the reason why. Somehow she has Nama Ulysses' number. But I really just never see her beating anybody else that's of champion caliber. You know, I I, I don't see her beating the Wei Li. I don't see her beating the JJ. Like, none of the people that are at that level or caliber. I just don't see her you know beating but um you know she has yet to i don't think she defended the first title because she got it off of that you know off of the um the um they did a um she got it from the ultimate fighter the ultimate yeah ultimate fighter and um and then you know i think jj yeah i think jj was her next fight so she's never defended a title yet um and i think it's literally because. She has Rose number, but nobody else's. But your thoughts on that fight?
2: No, that's exactly how I seen it would go down. I I really wanted Rose to beat Carla, and nothing against Carla, like you said. Um, I am a Rose fan. It's a terrible fight, and yeah, some reason Carla just has her number. But this is a perfect situation for the uh, the whole Styles make fight. Uh, styles make fights because carla style is never gonna work that's what it's just not gonna and she was foaming at the mouth the second she see they that she seen carla get her hand raised against rose <laughs> well they knew she was in there
1: yep
0: yeah it's um it's funny because um if you remember one of our early episodes i think it came out We've had quite a few episodes that never came out. So I don't know. Sometimes I talk on episodes of people like, listen, I've never heard this. Uh, But um, so I think it's one that came out. But I was being critical of Rose, who I'm a big fan of also. And me being critical of Rose was I feel like Rose has all the skills and everything where she's one of those people that we should be talking about in the same conversation of a, you know, a best number one champion or, um, you know, or um, uh, uh, um, what's her name? The 135 champion, Nunez or something like that. And she keeps losing to people that she just shouldn't lose to. And the people that look like they would kill anybody, she destroys them. She knocks them out. And to me, it's so, it's just so puzzling. You know, she really seems to fight to her competition. And I think Carla Esparza knew that. And I think in that fight, Carla Sparza came out and put on a pace. And, you know, Rose kind of faltered to it. But it doesn't work for anybody else. Uh, Wei Li was having none of that. Wei Li, maybe about the first minute or so, was like, okay, let me see what she has. After that, she pressed the gas. Pretty much after that, she started going after Carla. And Carla has that um, thing that Ben Henderson used to have that I always hated. And I was a Hendo fan, a Bendo fan. Um, She has this thing where she does this weird drop to the floor, like whenever she gets hurt or she tries to go for a takedown or whatever. And it it just doesn't work against the upper caliber of people. You know, it just, that wasn't going to work against Wayne And she's going to, you know, back out and come back in aggressive, you know, or take you down or whatever else. And that's what I think we saw in that fight. And the problem with Carla Esparza now, you know, if I'm her, I don't know how much money she's made. I don't know her lifestyle or what's going on. But i probably go ahead and take a retirement, man. And, you know, people probably are tired of me hearing people call people call for retirement, right? Or me saying people should retire. But You've won the belt twice. You're coming off of a nice win streak, and you lose to Wei Lee. If Rose doesn't go back it's and a get that loss. belt, exactly. If Rose does not go back and get that belt, who the hell are you going to fight? And we know that, especially in the smaller weight class with women, if you don't have that title, it's not a lot of money. What's next for you and why? Once again, especially as we know, grappling is coming up. People are making millions of dollars a year. I want to throw this in and I'll let you in. Um, I was watching, um, I think it was Craig Jones. I was watching an interview with him, which he was a original Dana Hurd Death Squad guy. He's a part of now the B team. And um, he was talking about ADCC and how much it's grown. He was like, man, I remember we were there and I forget what he was talking about. It was maybe 10 years ago. He was like, and it was like, you know, maybe a thousand fans. He's like, then all of a sudden this year, we were up to maybe about 3,000. I forget what he said. He said the last one was something like 20, 15, 20,000 fans. He said that next one is expected to be even bigger. We're talking about now basketball numbers. I mean, it's not football numbers, but we're talking about basketball stadium numbers for jujitsu competitions. You know, it's money over there, and this is our bread and butter. Go ahead.
2: Well, jujitsu, which you can do way more regularly than exactly, yeah, yep, but oh, uh, and it, I think that's definitely probably the best option because when you look at Carla at five one. What's the other option people like to do? Oh, I'll go up a weight class, I'll do that. At 5'1, I don't think that's an option for. There's no weight, yeah. there's no lower one to cut down to, um, unless you want to go to, you know, the B leagues or whatever. I don't know. They got 105 and one.
0: Uh good question. I don't know, cause she definitely could drop down. She's not a um she's not a sucked in, you know, 115-er. So and to your point at one oh five, uh, I'm not sure. I'm gonna go ahead and check and see what they have over at one for that. But uh yeah, good point.
2: They should uh they should do do the trade back, the trade Jan and Carla for DJ back and uh Darth Rigatoni.
0: If I'm a DJ, I'm not coming back, man. You know? Like yeah I'm just not going back in front of d j um I don't think the u f c has solved the problem that they had before they do not know how to market him. I don't think that problem has been solved and um you know I just don't see a reason to come back and he's probably he's probably making more money in japan um the only my only issue with d j as you know I think he should go to 125 instead of fighting Giants at 135. Yes, he went out there and won the belt, but listen, these guys are Giants. Drop down to your normal where you should be weight class. Now, it looks like they only got a 115 also over in, um, over in, uh, over in one, but it doesn't mean that they won't create, which I'm surprised because. A lot of those ladies over there they love the, they love the small, small. Yeah, small weight classes. Yeah, I'm surprised. I might have to do some more digging, but, um, but yeah, um, I would be up for a trade, but I just don't think DJ should come back. If you if you leave somewhere that didn't treat you well didn't appreciate you, never go back. <laughs> you know, unless they bringing that Brinks truck in. A guaranteed Briggs truck? Well, yeah, I might consider it. And then I'm going to do the GSP. I'm going to go in and, and beat your champion and then retire again. <laughs> <laughs> just, here's your little belt back. I'm done. I just wanted to do that exactly. real quick. Exactly. So the very last fight, the main event, the one that broke my heart, Adesanya, Versus Pereira So I'm not going to say anything at all I'm going to let you go first Because I might go on a rant For an hour and then you'll never get a chance To talk (laughs) So I'm going to let you go first Well
2: so First I, I guess I owe an apology because I on this podcast Said that I thought Izzy beats him Easy I thought that it wouldn't Even be that competitive which I mean, he was beating him pretty handily. It wasn't easy, but you know he was beating him. Um, and I thought that it was kind of a Dana White special. You know what I mean? Pulling the something from the past, and I didn't see a big competitive fight. Uh, Pierre's big dude, man, big, strong, tough guy, and you no, know, yeah, I didn't expect that. I didn't want to see it, and what I think makes it worse is that I don't think he holds the belt for a long term. A long time, you know, and I, I just really like Stylebender and I think it's just this kind of unnecessary, you know, nick to his legacy, which I think the one thing the maybe the to you know, find a silver lining out of it is I really like his approach to it. One thing you gotta give Stylebender is he is very humble in uh defeat you know, and uh, he doesn't, he doesn't blame stuff. He, you know, he pretty much owns it. I think it it sucks. I didn't want to see that. I didn't expect to see it, but I guess you got to give Pierre's credit. But I feel like uh, outside of, you know, maybe Strickland, I think most of these guys could beat Pierre at middleweight.
0: Yeah, I think you made some good points. Um, So as you know, going back, I want to say we talked about this fight two or three times. I think we talked about it on the episode with you and I, and then we talked about it on the episode we did with uh, TJ. Um, I have always been a Styles Make Fights guy. That's number one. Also, I think fighting psychology is a big thing. And sometimes somebody has another person's number. If you remember, I started talking about this fight way before it was ever announced pierre had maybe one fight in the ufc or it just got the ufc and i kept telling you i'm watching this guy because they're going to make this fight and i want to see this fight and part of where why i wanted to see this fight is because i love a good chess match i love a good battle and when a guy has beat you twice whether you admit it or not it does something on the psyche And I felt like Adesanya was a guy that would be able to overcome that, but I need to see it, right? So I felt like Adesanya would be able to win this fight, but it wasn't one of those things where I was convinced or I thought it was going to be a blowout or anything like that because I know that this guy is dangerous. When you are dangerous and you have that, you know, that one-punch knockout power or whatever, it was like, you know, Um, rest in peace rumble it's like rumble yeah you can be winning a fight against rumble but he touch you you going to sleep and that's what this guy has and so knowing that and knowing that it was going to be a stand up fight I knew that it was still a dangerous fight for Adesanya now to your point I don't see that Pereira would go on a run like Adesanya did but I think he can beat most of the guys in the division. The problem is the guys that are looking their chops right now. I don't know if you noticed it, but right away, before damn near before his hand was raised in the cage, Kamzat was on Twitter tweeting, I want this. I want this fight. And as you know, right now, they're actually actively trying to make uh, Kamzat versus Covington. Kamzat versus Covington he may still have another fight or two at that weight class to get to the title because they're probably going to do the rematch, right, with Uzman. So he may have another fight or two to get there. This, he can jump in right away. And he knows that if Anasanya was able to do that to Pereira, what he would be able to do to Pereira. And now that title changes hands. But um, if you remember what we were talking about, this is the reason why in the in the episode with TJ, the reason why I mentioned that this fight was so important for his division because all the possibilities open up because Adesanya lost. If Adesanya wins that, the UFC is trying to figure out what the hell they can do with him. Now, I don't know if you saw the video I posted, um, the video I posted in the group, but it was um, it was uh, uh, what's his name. Give me one second. It was was Whitaker. Whitaker was talking about fighting Pereira. And he was like, um, you know, I really don't want to talk about this. Colster is who, you know, I don't want to take my eye off of Colson. This is still a big fight. He was like, but I match up way better with Pereira than I do with Izzy. He was like, but have you seen how big this guy is? He like 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 Izzy looks really skinny, but Izzy's a, Izzy's a bigger guy. You know, like you you see when you see Izzy next to him, Izzy's a big guy. He was like, but when you saw him next to Pereira and you meet Pereira, he's like he's huge. He's like his facial structure is huge. His forearms are huge. His feet is huge. And I don't know if you remember, I had posted. Um, I forget who it was. It was a light heavy matter of fact, it was a, uh, it was Reyes because you know they're all a part of that team. Um uh uh um um shoot, what team uh, uh what's his name? Uh uh give me one second. Uh uh Tashira. They're all a part of Team Tashira, right? So they're all over there with Glover training. And so they you were showing they were showing pictures of him. Pereira was way bigger, way bigger than him. It was like, wait a minute, who was the light heavyweight and who was the middleweight? So now, even though you're coming down, his structure is big. But to your point, Whitaker saw that and saw his style and said that's a winnable fight. Now, Whitaker is one of those guys where he has that um, deceptive wrestling where he'll, you know, throw punches, and fake a punch that turns into a push while he's grabbing a leg for a takedown and so many different things. So I just think it opens the door wide open. Adesanya said he probably needs to go have, get a couple things fixed, possibly a surgery. So it may not be an immediate rematch, right? Which now opens the door for Whitaker or out or somebody like that to go in and challenge for her and possibly take that belt. But now we end up in one of those Nama Yunus cycles. Okay, you do that. But Izzy comes back and he says, I want to fight for my title back. He beats them. Then what, it what happens? The Pereira says, you know what? I want to fight for that title again. <laughs> so what do we I, do then?
2: I, I really think that Whitaker beat Costa. And then I think he would beat Pierre. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Busy beats a shot of him again. <laughs> yeah, i definitely think that but i do think um the ufc is you know before pierre because that was what they were looking at again if he beats pierre and then robert whittaker beats costa now they're in the same situation they're in with colby covington or whatever where they're where you're like well do we do it can yeah. we do three or max holloway is a better example you know where yeah. you're like Well, what else do we do? You know, nobody wants to see that fight, but that is the contender. That's what the situation they'd be in. Now, especially if Izzy gets some stuff done, uh, if that's the fight they make. So it's smart of Chumayev to try and shoehorn himself in there because everybody that can wrestle even a little bit is fighting for that same thing. And, And you know, it comes with two big paydays because you know no matter what, you get that championship fight where you get your title back and you're the champ again.
0: But mm-hmm. anybody
2: that gets that belt knows it comes with a big rematch against Stylebender. It's gonna sell a lot.
0: Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And um, so I guess that would I would ask the question: If you're the UFC and you know that there's probably a few people in that weight division that can beat Pereira. Do you go ahead and take your new golden child, Kamzai, and jump him up there and get him this title? You put a lot of promotion behind him. His name is pumping. We know that he has, you know, both the Swedish fans and the Russian fans and all the Muslim fans. He has a big fan base, right? Do you go ahead and put him in that position? You know, or do you say, yeah, let's give him a somebody else and try and build this guy up. You know, this guy being in Pereira, do we give him somebody else that's up on the up and coming? Do we give him a, I don't know where Victoria is right now, as far as if you can make a case for him, but I'm pretty sure there's a couple guys out there that basically all lost to Izzy that you, you know, you might be able to make a case for, right? Which one would you do? So, no, Vittori just lost to Whitaker. Yeah. Go ahead. So, me, as a
2: fight fan, I think that the best uh, route would be to give Whitaker the shot if he beats Costa. So, whoever wins that fight, well, I don't think whoever, because if Costa wins, I think Costa still needs another win. But if Whitaker wins that fight, I think you give him the title shot. Um, the problem
0: is, though, that fight is not until February. We're only in November. So you're talking about December, January, February. So you're three months out, and that might be a and tough fight for
2: And then you're going to want a full camp for that fight, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that fight's in February. But anyways, what I was going to say, ultimately, is where I, I... That's my biased opinion to try to get the belt around Whitaker's waist again. Uh, in reality, if you're the UFC... You know, TJ was saying they don't have no stars or, you know, that it's a, it's a low period. I think Comzat's the way to go because Comzat, I think, ragdolls them and gets to look like the Comzat that you want to showcase. And and I think that Comzat can also possibly do that at welterweight anyways. But I think, you know, we've seen with the Gilbert Burns fight, I think maybe the cut, you know, is mm-hmm. not there. And plus, I think 170 already has plenty of exciting things going. Where you can let that run on his own with, you know, Usman getting a rematch against Leon and now Colby's back in the mix. So I think to maximize your star power, you let Welterweight shake itself out and you give Kamzat the the middleweight, you know, shot. In the meantime, you know, and then you have different options from there. So Kamzat probably ragdolls Pierre, right? Then you give him, if Izzy's not ready, then you give him Whitaker. You know, if he still not ready, yeah. you know, you look at different options like that. And then even if comes out, runs it for a while, he could always look at doing uh, champ champ by going back down a welterweight after all this other stuff with, you know, Leon and Colby and every, everybody's shaking itself out. So I think from a business yeah. standpoint, it makes the most sense to maximize both divisions by getting him in there now with somebody that, you know, that not only does he beat him. He beats him the way you want Kamzat to become the champion.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I would would definitely jump Kamzat ahead of the line, put him up there. Um, Everybody else pretty much is coming off of a loss or has a fight or something like that Um, because I literally think that um, if they wanted to make that fight, they could make that fight and actually have it, you know, I don't know. You know how it is. Fights fall out. I don't know how booked, um, you know UFC 284. As a matter of fact, let me see if I can see the card. Uh, uh they got room. They got room on that. It is. They got the um. Last week they had announced that um, or it might have been this weekend. They announced that uh they were going to go ahead and do the um, the Josh Emmett Yair Rodriguez interim um fight so on this card you got the title fight with uh, you know the champ champ fight with Islam and Volk the undercard is the Emmett or the you know the Kome would be the Emmett Rodriguez fight and then you got um Whittaker Polo Acosta on there below that I mean you literally could add this fight that we're talking about to this and have three title fights on this card They've done three title fights before Right? And mm-hmm. get um, Pierre right back in there or you can Make this for the very next Card so now Depending on what happens with Whitaker And Polo Costa, If you make this fight close To that fight The healing time should be about the same And you push it out about the same amount of time Where now that winner of Whitaker and Costa Fights for the title Right. But you need to make this fight close to this time so we don't have those big gaps again. But uh yeah, I love everything you said. I think that would be I think that's the way to go. Um and I think out will win that fight. And um I think out is a bad matchup for a lot of people. Um he still has a lot of holes in this game, but I just think he's still a bad matchup for a lot of people. And I really would much, much rather see him at 85. I think he's too big for, I think he's, you know, at welterweight just to beat up small guys. He's a big dude. I just think he's way too big for welterweight. He has problems on the scale for a reason. Um, And I think push him up to 85, get him this title.
2: Well, especially with his style, let him be bigger and stronger and more hydrated.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep, I totally agree. That's pretty much everything. Um, Any last words? We actually went a little bit longer than we normally go, but we didn't go too far. Um, Any last words? Anything else about that particular card or anything else you want to throw in there? No, that's it. Great card. Yeah, it was. Uh, A lot of anybody that didn't watch that card or didn't get a a chance to, it is very much, in my opinion, worth going back to watch. Um, Even if you have seen it, it's worth going back to watch a second time it was a pretty good card well thank you everybody for listening as usual and come again that wraps up another great fat boy MMA podcast if you have a topic for us please email us at topic at fatboymma.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma.com thank you for listening